Welcome to the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Small Town Wealth Podcast, episode three. Our guest for today is Jaron Thorhog. Jaron is the current owner and general manager of Brown Social House Village Green here in Vernon, BC. Jaron has been involved in the hospitality industry for over 25 years. This will be a great episode for anybody in this particular industry, but also for those interested in the many aspects of business that the hospitality industry encompasses. Such topics include leadership in the workplace, being accountable to employees and employers alike, and the value of surrounding yourself with good people. We will dig deep this episode on the value of reputation and how it ties all these concepts together. Also discussed will be generational differences and how we can bridge the gaps created by them. In 2010, Jaron bought his first business, a well-established restaurant in Terrace, BC called Don Diego's. After continuing to build a strong business, the restaurant was often in the local spotlight as an example of how a restaurant should be run. During the height of the LNG expansion in Terrace, Jaron and his wife Sierra sold the business and their home and relocated to Vernon, BC in July of 2015. They subsequently purchased the Brown Social House location here and have worked tirelessly to build it into a sustainable business. Jaron's wife Sierra also opened a retail store by the name of Birch Hill Studio and has been building a strong brand ever since. Jaron and Sierra are a dynamic business duo that embrace leadership, accountability, and authenticity. This is going to be an awesome episode, so without further ado, here is our conversation with Jaron Thorhog. Well, welcome, Jaron. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. How's it going today? Ah, pretty good. Uh, not really enjoying a lot of all the snow today, but... Yeah, it's been so, pummeling us this year. <laughs> yeah, it's winter, and what, what can you do, right? So. Yeah, totally. You ski or snowboard? Uh, no, I don't. I used to when I was younger. Um, uh, being a little bit older now, I'm not as, as adventurous. Right. Sure. That's fair. Got businesses to run. <laughs> takes Kids a to tend to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Well, I mean, skiing and snowboarding aside, we're, we're happy to have you on today. Um, we kind of want to know your background because you're a local business owner in town. Um, so is your wife. And we want to make sure that we, we highlight all of that. And obviously, there's some points that we want to work from. But ultimately, we want to start with sort of how it all began. So can you, can you kind of bring us back to how everything started, when you started in business, when your sort of business sense started to become developed, and uh, we'll work up to the present day from there. Sure. Um, so I would, uh, it's 25 years now, I've been in the hospitality industry, um, and uh, a long time. Uh, I started, be- and as everyone starts out, like in a dishwasher position, uh, most of the most people, um, and uh, was able to move myself up really quickly, and and pretty much from there, I always had some sort of like management role. Um, you know, I did a lot of kitchen work, and I just to see all the aspects of it. So I, you know, I've worked in the back of house, uh, I worked in like the kitchen, and then I've worked in the front of house doing bartending, serving, um, and I think having that well-rounded experience has contributed a lot to my success. Because uh, I've seen some, you see some good things, and you see bad things uh, from management. And uh, you know, I think I've been pretty lucky to work with some really good uh, leaders in the hospitality industry. Um, and having uh, having that ability has been, you know, I mean, I've been able to take little things here, little things there. Um, uh, Twenty five years is a long time, uh, and uh, it's definitely been a key to my success. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't grow up in BC. Uh, we moved here in 1988. Uh, I grew up in Saskatchewan. Um, 
I would say most kids know someone with a farm <laughs> and our family had a farm. Um, I know a lot of people got to spend uh, their spring break uh, at Disneyland uh, or do going on fun vacations and stuff. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the farm, uh, working with livestock, working machinery, um, you know, working 10, 12 hours, uh, you know, being 10 years old, uh, you understand the value of work. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's where like my work ethic comes from a lot. Uh, it's just been, you know, when you see you work 10 hours and there's always something at the end, you're like, well, I can't believe I did that today or I did this or saved a cow today or I, you know, <laughs> right, right. um, you know, or the, you know, I bailed 120 bales in like two hours. That's awesome. Or, you know, or I being the ability to be like 11 years old and driving a truck, like not too many kids have that experience, especially these days. Um, and, uh, I was pretty fortunate to, to be able to work with, uh, work with my family and work on the family farm and, and, uh, it, uh, definitely instilled a, a strong work ethic. That's so what kind of farm was it like this? Was it pretty multifaceted? How, how many acres and was it like cattle or? Yeah, there was a mix. It was, a um, I worked out with, uh, two of my different uncles and they had, uh, and there was two different spectrums of, of farming. Uh, one was very like hands-on and the other one was a little bit more mechanized. Um, we did a lot of machinery work and there was a lot of, uh, you know, anywhere between a two to 300 heads of cows. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah, and, and that's a lot of work and you see that and, and, uh, you definitely have a lot of respect for people that work in that industry. Uh, but again, it's, uh, one of those things that I experiences I wouldn't take back and I really enjoyed, you know, my summer camp was spent, uh, you know, working on the farm. Uh, my spring break was, you know, helping with calves, calving, and and uh, yeah, you learn a lot of things uh, that you don't learn in school. Um, and I definitely respect that time. Now, on the lines of school, what kind of what kind of student were you? What relationship did you have with school? Were you kind of class clown? Were you good in school? Uh, <laughs> I would have to say, unfortunately, class clown. Yeah. I don't. I don't I, think. Unfortunately, just gonna put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and I think it had a lot to do with my mom was a teacher, uh, pretty much okay. administrator at all the schools I went to. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that there was a lot of like, oh hey Sheila, do you want to come to the office? Um, and uh, I was never like really bad in school. I just like the in my attention span. I think it was just hard for me. Uh, I was a straight C student, uh, and. Uh, but if there was something I would like liked, like or something that I really enjoyed, I excelled at that. Or if I could understand it, if I could grasp, if there was gonna be like an end result of something, like I didn't want to sit and look at like uh, you know calculus and be like, well, what am I gonna do with this? Right. But then someone's like, oh, here we got career prep, we're gonna learn accounting, and then I got straight A's in accounting, and it's like, well, there's like I understand it, I, I, there's an end process to that. There's an applicability to it. Yeah, and the you know what am I gonna do with chemistry? Like I you know. Uh, this is before Breaking Bad, if I would have saw it. <laughs> but, um, that made me want to take chemistry too, actually. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in school, then, and, and that's kind of who I was, but anything where it was like, oh, you get to speak in front of a class, or you're going to be doing a presentation, um, I was always geared towards that. Like Everyone was like, oh, we want Jaron in our group because he can, he'll do 80% of the talking. Um, Perfect. And... That's, you know, I mean, I think talking, having, uh, be able to have a conversation, those are like strong skills. That's a skill set, and it's one that I really enjoyed uh, showing off in school. Was that, was that kind of like people, person, I guess, nature, uh, liking people, liking to talk in front of people? Was that something that you think you were born with or something that was instilled in you by parenting or through an experience that you had or 
I think just my basically like growing up, um, uh, like when you're a teacher, uh, especially in rural Saskatchewan, like my mom was, we moved a lot because we had to. And I think that when you're moving from school to school and you're meeting new friends and new people and, and, and trying to gain new experiences, you have to be outgoing or it's going to be a really tough goal for you. And, and, uh, I always found, I always relied on my ability to, to make someone laugh or do a joke or, or, or be that outgoing person. Um, sometimes not at the right time, but, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that, you know, that's, uh, again, something that just like, it was just a skill set that I obtained, I think from moving a lot, uh, and, you know, my mom's pretty quiet and, and I, and I'm kind of a quiet guy. Like I, I enjoy talking to, you know, two or 300 people a day. Uh, usually when I go home, it's, I mean, I like, my, I like the whole girls can be anything. Um, totally. At, uh, and I, I'm a strong believer in that. Uh, we don't have Barbies at our house. We don't, uh, I don't really, I never call Stella a princess. Um, you know, she can be her own person. She doesn't need a prince or a king or someone to take care of her. Uh, those are the kind of things that I don't want to spell my my daughter. Um, and um, but to go back to you know I I think that uh, you know the art of conversation is a skill that's you know I think me and Shelby talked about earlier. Um, the what we're doing right now having this talk, I think eighty percent of the people would not want to do this. Hundred percent. Yeah. And did you get those kind of skills from the farm? Because I relate to you in that aspect. You know, I started on the farm when I was in about grade seven. My family bought a a sod farm or a turf farm, in other words, and and just dealing with other employees. You know, I was helping run crews by the time I was in grade nine and dealing with customers that were coming onto the field. And that was really the start of my people skills and my teaching skills was having to to deal with that, deal with the constant issues, because obviously a farm... Uh, of any kind has a lot of moving parts. So is that sort of where your people skills began or do you think it began when you entered the hospitality industry? I think more like the, I think the hospitality industry, like on the farm, you're, it's a lot of long time. There's not a lot of like right. that when you're, you're like combining or you're doing any sort of like bailing or, you know, or the other spectrum is where my uncle, other uncle couldn't afford a lot of equipment. And so, you know, where you know you go to my one uncle's house and like oh well we're gonna drive the rock picker and then you show up at you know 6 a.m at their house and it's like you you are the rock picker <laughs> and so you're following a tractor picking rocks for 10 hours um you know there's uh, at a young age you realize okay there's probably a better way of doing this <laughs> um and uh i think a lot of like my problem like solving that comes from the farm um definitely um and the be able to take a situation uh, and calmly handle things. I think the you know I mean you're dealing when you're dealing with livestock or anything like that, the, the problems arise quickly, uh, and it's you have to be cool on your feet. I can totally relate to the like what you were saying about the having to move around a lot really changes you as a person. I mean, for example, like I moved around so much. I, I was born in Romania and then moved to Toronto and then from Toronto to Vancouver. Stayed Those are vastly different cultures too, yeah, right? And two two different schools there for the two years that I was in Vancouver, two different schools there. Then moved to Vernon and that was the first time where I actually got to stay and be at one school. But all those little experiences kind of lead you up. I can totally relate to the having to make new friends and all kinds of um, you know different relationships as well. It, it definitely helps with your people skills and, and develop everything. Yeah, so... When did you start in hospitality? Like, which company did you start with and, and kind of lead us from that point on? 
Well, the first uh, the first company I started with was uh, Mr. Mike's. Um, it was before it was like right when the concept was changing, um, and I started there as um, a line cook, and and then worked there for a couple years. I did a couple openings for them. I was able to work for head office with them. So I saw all, like the different sides of things. Like I saw the uh, the front line of it, the back line of it, um, where um, the franchise procedures uh, and I was really lucky and blessed that some of the stuff I saw there and was um, super valuable for opening my own business later on so so you worked your way up and did you stay with how long did you stay with Mr. Mike's well the one in Terrace I stayed for a couple years and then I left because um, like you know in your when you're 20 years old you don't really stay in Terrace <laughs> unless unless you have like a good job right and uh, and at that time, that was the, it, far in between. Uh, and so I was like, I need to get more education. So I moved to Vancouver. Um, I got, uh, I took a hospitality management program because I was like, I want to learn more. Like I just was like, you wanted to any, delve deeper. Yeah, like I, the, I was always buying books and just like, oh, this is the hospitality book or this or just like the, um, you know, this one a book called Tabletop and like the, it's like the, it's about a New York guy and he's just like, well, you know, I, I no one ever taught me this, but this is what I learned 20 years of working in a restaurant. And, um, and I this absorbed that stuff. So I thought, okay, I'll go take this hospitality program. I kind of like, I jumped into it too feet. It was a lot of like hotel based stuff. I, uh, I got to be <laughs> during my practicums. I worked, did a lot of hotel jobs realizing I don't want to work in a hotel. That's fair. It <laughs> was, <laughs> um, it was a great experience. Uh, it, it, you know, obviously it's weird working just like staying in an elevator for eight hours a day. Um, or carrying bags or staying at the front. It was just, it wasn't for me. Um, but in that, in that program though, we learned about like the food costs, labor costs, uh, how to build sales, how the, um, you know, a lot of the instructors there, there's two there that were from, that started from the keg from the scratch. And so I just like sat front row and absorbed everything they said. Some people weren't listening, but I was always asking tons of questions and like afterwards, like, Hey, can we go grab a beer? And kind of just want to ask you He's like, he's like, yeah, you can ask me five things. You can buy me one beer and then I got to go home. I'm like, okay. Planned, planned. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you listen to these guys, you know, and he, like this guy, Ted, and he, he always had, he just had the perfect answers for, he had answers for everything. Um, and any, all the restaurant stuff, I really excelled at in the hospitality management um, program, which like, I think was a little shocking to my mom based on my performance in high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at that time, I had another opportunity to join um, Mr. Mike's in Coquitlam as they're rebranding and changing and stuff. And they were going to make that the corporate store and we were, uh, they were doing some different things at that time. Um, uh, my time in the kitchen was, uh, didn't last very long. We had an unfortunate incident with the general manager and then I came in one day and I was like, you're the general manager. And I'm like, okay. So now kind of thrown in that position. Um, you were thrown I, into being a general manager. Yeah. Just like, that. wow. Yeah. It's kind of a long, long story. Uh, maybe something I don't want to be recorded. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, he, uh, anyways, no longer worked there. And so then I was thrown in that position, but they, everyone felt like I was ready. It wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. And it was just like, okay, well I need to go buy dress clothes now. So, um, but, uh, that was the biggest one of your concerns, you know, yeah, I was ready for it, and it was like a really good experience for me. And like, and I had some challenges. Like I, you know, half the staff were older than me by a lot. Uh, like 10, 15 years. Uh, we had an older staff at that time. Um, and, uh, and, but, and then that created turnover and it created a lot of headaches and work and stuff. 
but I stuck with it and uh, we ended up ended up doing uh, doing quite well and, and uh, you know doubled the sales and uh, you know there was lots of good things that we were doing there um, again I was you know I was young and just wanted more and I just wanted more experience and I wanted more I think I just wanted more knowledge right like I think I was just like I, at that time I just felt like I needed to be a sponge uh, so I left Mr. Mike's uh, and I went to BCIT um, okay. and I was like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in marketing <laughs> at 23 uh, yeah, 23 I, I had no idea what marketing really meant I was like I was like, you know what I'm gonna make commercials <laughs> and uh, and that <laughs> commercials is such a tiny little part of marketing but in my mind it was it was everything I was like I'm gonna be a creative director one day I don't know where I got that from I think it was just working for some some of the people that uh, I met along the way uh, in my Mr. Mike's experience. Anyway, so first year of BCIT, um, again, a big challenge for a C student to go start taking eight classes a day. I was working two jobs. Uh, and uh, so at the end of the year, it came to like the, there was it basically there's like five different sections you can go in. And, and, and I'm sitting down with kind of like my, everyone, you have like a coordinator. There's like 600 people in this program. Right. The, the first day they, they're like okay I want you to look forward look to the left look to the right look behind you these people won't be here next next September and I was like I was like wow that's kind of a harsh thing to say but he was true it uh, even like half the first semester like our half, half of my classes were empty wow um, uh, it was a hard program why and, was that were people dropping out were they no the program was just so difficult they you just couldn't a, make it through oh no you had you had you had two different you're taking two different economics at the same time you're taking uh like level two like accounting where like you're you know, I mean if you keep guessing with that you could be a certified accountant um there was like two marketing classes you certain classes started at 8 30 in the morning and you, they ended at four um and uh it was just a program but like the first year was kind of lead people out anyway so that and i'm sitting there and i'm like all gung home just like and uh, she's like, okay, what uh, what program are you gonna go into? And I was like, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go into marketing management, and or into marketing communications because that's the big one. That's where everyone that's how you you know you make commercials. And uh, she's like flipping through my grades and notes from the teachers and stuff. And she's like, uh, like not even like not just like un like no movement in her face. She's like that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. I'll, I was like, I'll go uh, I'll go in the other uh, communications class. She's like. No, and she's like, you can pick from real estate, <laughs> sales, uh, or tourism, and so I, I went. Um, I was really unfamiliar with the tourism. I, you know, I mean, looking back on it, it might have been kind of more like it would have been very interesting for me. Um, and then I, uh, I decided to stick with the go with sales because um, real estate, I had no idea. Uh, and looking back at it now, in two thousand, whatever it was, uh, maybe real estate in Vancouver might have been. Anyway, <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but that was basically you. Like they, they were, they weren't teaching real estate. It was like real estate. Like you were working for, like I'd be working for this firm, helping you market your products. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's right? a different or, arm. Like, or, or you're building a development, right? And like the and right. like the and like oh, I have like I need to help me market these 150 condos. Yeah, like, that's what it was kind of geared towards. Anyway, so I took sales, did lots of like terrible practical jobs. Um, learned really like the hard way that um, uh, that you know sales is sales is difficult and uh, and for the first time ever I was like challenged 
and, and it was a good good thing. Uh, it took me a couple months to find a job. Whereas before, I was people were calling me. I was getting phone calls. Hey, do you want to come work for us? Do you want to come? What do you want? Blah blah blah. Here's your, tell us what you want to make. <laughs> right. And the first time in my life, this was the first huge challenge. Uh, and uh, you know, there's some places where I was putting in all this time doing this practicum work, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this job. I this job's mine. I I can't believe I have this job. And then at the end of it, they were like, yeah, there's a hundred people vying for this job. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and then I've never had to go through this process before. So we went, through, I had to go through three interviews and then I had to go through this big presentation. And actually the presentation I went, I had to do was in front of Browns. That's funny. Um, it was Russell Brewing. They were the house beer, but at that time they, Browns was having a, um, they were changing their concept a little bit and they wanted to change their house beer. And so I, I was one of the three people that got to go in on this presentation. Um, I thought it, I, I nailed it. I was like, I, the next day I was like, oh, this is perfect. And then Andrew, the, like the owner of Russell Brewing was like, oh yeah, Jaron, like big, like 20 minutes of like telling how great I am. And then one minute of like, you didn't get the job. Uh, absolutely devastated. I, that's the first time ever I've, someone's ever said no to me ever. Like that, like I, any like serving or bartending jobs I had while I was going to BCIT, people were calling or would like come into the restaurant I was working at and be like, uh, we can give you these hours. We'll tell you, you tell me what days you can work. We want you to come work for us. So I never had this challenge of like, oh wow, I rejection. <laughs> and that, uh, that and was your was, first experience with it. Did it kind of hit you, hit home? Like, was there something that you learned from that right off the bat? Yeah. And there was, I think, uh, understanding my expectations right and uh and it definitely and I, and I was like i i was all, all, like very upset and i was like okay andrew can i just call you tomorrow and so i ended up meeting for coffee the next day and i was like this is the first time someone says no to me and he's like it's hard right and i was like he's i'm like yeah he's like well when we started this brewing we were told no 50 times and i was been told 40 times this is never going to happen so you need to learn rejection if you want to be successful and here's the things you need to work on. So, and, and I took those and I was like, okay, I can understand for sure. Absolutely. These are all things that I, you know, I mean, I, I can own. Um, and what I took from that, and then I went to like another job fair, but this job fair, you had to like sell stuff. People would come up to you and you'd have to like, you'd go into like a booth and they'd be like, okay, well, here's our coffee cups. Tell me, sell me a coffee cup. Here's a pen. Here's a cell phone. Here's right. Um, right. and then I, I got a job through there. Um, uh, I worked there for six months. I was very successful. It, uh, it, it the, the, the sales, like the, you know, it, it was, it was different. It was just like instant gratification, right? Just like, oh, wow, I can't wait to close this deal. Or like, you know, I, I'm flying in the, these partners from this big, huge burger chain and close the deal. And just like, and, and at that time, I don't even remember like the net. I was like, oh, wow, I'm probably getting a pretty big commission check from this or, and, um, or like the, I, I, I couldn't believe what, like, wow is that really big a deal and I came to work the next day and my name was like on a banner and like they were everyone was like clapping their hands it was a big deal at the brokerage firm um, and uh, and I, I really enjoy I learned a lot um, was the rejections yes lots like we I the, the products I represented were a tough go um, there was you know, our competitors there was 30 different <laughs> we were selling the same things right right and the only thing that people were buying was either me or our customer service that we could provide, um, uh, and at that time, I I was happy, but I don't think I was happy living in Vancouver. 
it was just like too much for me and I, I didn't like that like go 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 of it and just like oh going and getting home at 8 o'clock I couldn't have like a normal relationship because I was you mean oh you gotta fly to the island there's a problem or we're going to the trade show here or you're right, in the right. or I'm just like living in a suitcase and, and I, it was just like dawned on me that I can't do this forever um, I ended up bumping in with the owner of the Mr. Mike's and Terrace he was looking for someone there to really kind of like help like own the restaurant, be a manager, be a community leader, um, and, uh, you know, be his left hand, uh, the opportunity to be closer to my mom. And I think at that time I kind of outgrew like Vancouver. I was like over it. Like I wasn't like, Oh wow, I live in Vancouver. Like it wasn't. The thrill um, was gone. The thrill was gone. I did the seawall enough times. I, I was good. Um, <laughs> I had enough Starbucks. I, you know, I did, I had a lot of fun in Vancouver and I wouldn't take anything back. Uh, you know, I gained a lot of great experience, made a lot of good friends, uh, and made a lot of good acquaintances. Um, but uh, moving back to Terrace at that time was just smart for me. Um, you know, I then worked at uh, Mr. Mike's in Terrace for a couple of years, really turned that restaurant around. Uh, you know, uh, I, unfortunately, just uh, things didn't work out, um, and I moved on, and that was kind of you know, my undoing a little bit, but I also, I was just sick of working for somebody else. I right, was like, right. man, I can't, I, I, you want me to be work 60 hours a week, you want me to turn this restaurant around, you want me to be a community leader, at what, at what price do I'm just like, I, it's time for me to move on. And, um, you know, I think I made a few wrong decisions that helped them make that decision help for me. Uh, and, but that was me because I was done. I just checked out. And that was the first time ever I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And um, and then at that time, it was like, <laughs> we just bought a house, me and Sierra. And and it was the slow time in, in, in uh, reality. And I remember coming home and was like, yeah, I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, man. And, uh, and obviously a difficult conversation to have. And just like, and uh, I was like, everything's going to be okay. But it's, it's going it's to be rough for a little bit. And that rough period, and it was good. And like the... You know, there was some like, there was a lot of personal growth for me at that time, um, and I it, it, I needed that time I think too to kind of figure out what I wanted to do, uh, and I never searched out Don Diego's. I just like someone's like yeah, I th- like I, I bumped into Dick uh, Davis like the and I went to school with his kid and his he was just like he's at the cash register and he's like oh, he's like 30, 33 years of this he's like I got I, I can't take it anymore. So I just like the next day I banged on his door. I was like, "Hey, Dick, I don't know if you remember me. Uh, you know, I grew up with your kids." And he's like, "Oh, hey, Jaron, blah blah blah." And he's like, "I heard about Mr. Mike's." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's a small town." And I was like, "Yeah, things didn't work out." And, and uh, he's like, "You?" I'm like, "Do you want to go grab a beer?" And so we went and grabbed beer. This is when I still drank. Um, and uh, so we sat and chatted. Told him about the business. He, these they, they had a few times where the staff were gonna buy it, and things just didn't work out. Um, and I said, "Well, this is what we could do. Uh, we worked out a deal." And then within like, I don't know, it was like a month. And next thing you know, I owned a restaurant. Wow. What kind of restaurant was Don Diego's? Was it like quick service? Was it sit down? No, it was a sit down. It was uh, 50 seats. Um, and uh, we changed our menu twice daily. Everything was fresh. Um, we were getting all our, like halibut, all, most of our seafood were coming from Prince Rupert. And the, uh, in it, we just, yeah, it was just constant, just like making stuff. Like we, our, we had a fresh dessert list, 14 desserts every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a lot. That's of incredible. Work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. It was exhausting. And 
um, we did really well there. And, uh, and I would never take anything back from like my experience there. Um, sometimes I, I hate cooking because I think about <laughs> my time of always cooking. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, uh, but I gained a lot of valuable experience about like running a business and like what, what it really kind of like takes to be like an entrepreneur. Cause everyone just always has like this like weird impression of like who an entrepreneur is and, and what entrepreneurship really means. But at that time at Don Diego's, you know, we were working, I was working 10 hours a day. We just had, we just had Stella, um, my daughter and it, you know, I would come home and like, I don't, you know, and like have a nap. Like that's how exhausting it was. It was just like constantly prepping, cooking, prepping, cooking. Which is good in one aspect because I mean the, the amount of control that you got over the business probably gave you a lot of gratitude and, and a lot of, um, fulfillment, but at the same time it becomes exhausting. For sure. Right. And then I also doing some rebranding, right. Because the customer service was bad there, people would wait forty-five minutes for dinner, and we changed all that. Like there was like a lot of things that had to change uh, to be successful there. But we did that. Like we were able to, like yeah. I think the our final year we were up seventy-five percent from when we bought it. Wow. How many years were you there for? Uh, just under five. Just under five years. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It. Uh, but it, but it's one of those things too now. Like the I look back on, I would never take that back. Like I, I don't, like I didn't have a social life <laughs> yeah. for that. But like in the back of my mind, I always knew I was going to be there forever. I knew in the back of my mind that the, the 10 hour days were to do something better. There's something better going to come out of this. You're like, putting in your hard work now, your hours now. Right. Cause like the, you know, the, the, some of the hard lessons and the rejections that I learned in my like sales process and stuff that like the, I was like, oh man, sure didn't get that sale. But did I? Is there a follow-up to help fix that rejection? So like that, I always like, I mean, those rejections during the, the, the time that I was in sales, I learned that you have to think, where am I gonna be in five years? What am I doing next week? And that's really when I saw a lot, like, lot of like thought planning and like, like, like healthy habits, getting up early in the morning, 6 a.m., I write, I have a quadrant, I write, there's, these are the things that didn't get done yesterday, these are things that get done today, and then these are the things that I need to do for me, right? Gotcha. Um, so it's kind of a ritual for you. Yeah. Right. And those like the and uh, and those habits and those habits contribute to things that like just like I knew like everyone's just like man how, how are you working so much like at Don Diego's or like man you're sure here all the time I'm like yeah that's you know I did have days off like I make it sound like I was like chained to the place but and we were pretty loved, like we didn't open during stats and like we made sure we take long weekends and we really they took care of the staff that worked there. Um, and, uh, but, uh, and yeah, it, like I, it was a great experience for sure. But there was something else. So the LNG expansion happened and you, you were mentioning you started to kind of get the feeling that the economy was at its high point, correct? For those that don't know, what's the LNG expansion? There's that liquid natural gas. There was going to be pipelines. There was going to be an Enbridge, like, a, um, a crude oil line, um, a Bitman. And that was gonna run through Terrace, and it was gonna blow up, and there's gonna be all this stuff. And like, uh, for my last two years in Terrace, there's all these like head offices popping up, and you saw like pipeline trucks, and everyone's talking, and like the, you know, uh, and, and, you know, housing prices were starting to skyrocket, and and um, but it, it seemed like false hope, um, and 
for me, it uh, it was kind of I was like taking a step back, thinking uh, if there's going to be an exit strategy, this is going to be the time. Um, you know, growing up, uh, not I didn't wasn't born in Northern BC, but I growing up in Northern BC, I seen a lot of like the the rise and fall of like about the you know logging industry, uh, sort of the, the forest industry. Uh, we had like a pulp mill, there was a sawmill, there was two pots, you know, like all those have closed, like they're gone. Uh, they're not there in Terrace anymore. Um, and witnessing that, I just kind of seen what, I'm just like, is this really, you know, and then talking to other people that were kind of had their finger in their pulse and stuff and just like, hey, like, be careful. Like, this is a lot of, you know what I mean? A lot of high, high expectations in an economy right now that maybe doesn't want this. Right. It's a little bit of deja vu. You'd seen this all before and yeah, like, it was yeah. all happening again. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's unfortunate. I think, uh, you know, I'm still in contact with a lot of, not a lot of people, but I know people in Northern BC, and we want everyone to be successful. And it's going to, stuff's going to happen. The magnitude that was promised, no. And I think, I'm not sure where, like, the, where a lot of things went wrong there uh i know obviously like the world economy and that and and that took a little bit of a tumble uh and the price of, of liquid natural gas and i think they were a little bit too late getting to the world market uh where australia and new zealand they were just miles ahead to feed the the asian market um the but uh that that falsehood i i, I you know it devastated a lot of people in some of those communities I hope most of that stuff comes back. Uh, and again, it's not going to come back what was promised, but I have a strong feeling things will turn around up there. Gotcha. Eventually. So goes in cycles. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so that brought you to Vernon somehow. So how kind of explain the, the move from oh, there to Vernon. Well, we uh, I started getting in contact. Well, and like all there was was like, oh, we're building nine hotels in Terrace. Like we got to feed all these workers. It's like <laughs> the economy, like the, this is going to, you know, population is going to go up by this and like, uh, and so I started reaching out to, um, you know, some people started reaching out to me and being like, hey, you're a successful uh, uh, restaurant owner. Uh, would you want to put a restaurant on our hotel or like near a hotel? Or, and um, that's where kind of like the dialogue started with Brown's um, Social House. Um, and the Brown's Restaurant Group uh, kind of reached out to me with uh, the owner from Dawson Creek, uh, Darcy, and we've been friends and I worked with Darcy and before at Mr. Mike's and, um, you know, we had some dialogue and I flew down to, you know, I met the guys at Brown Socials and at, or sorry, Brown's Restaurant Group. And we had some di open dialogues about Terrace and what their thoughts were. But then like Bruce Fox, he's just like one of these guys, he's just like kind of, I think it's just with his age, he's a little bit older, he's a little bit wiser. He's just the, and in the, our conversation about Terrace, I left there thinking we're moving. And the and because he he was really worried, he saw I think what kind of what was going to happen. Right. There was a, this was going to burst. This couldn't sustain. That nothing was approved. This was all, um, you know, a lot of that talk at that time too with a lot of these companies when it came to LNG and Enbridge. I believe it was like trying to build their stock. Okay. Right. There They're trying some, to keep the hype going. Right. Was, there were some guys yeah. there with some ownership, but they were also directing the, the directing the ship as well. Right, and so sometimes when that happens, then you got you have, you have people like, oh, we're building this giant pipeline, or like we're, we're sort of promising all this like revenue that's not coming, because now the stock price is really high. And this guy's got all the this guy's got a huge chunk of the stock. I'm whatever years old, I'm gonna sell. 
makes sense right and then all these people are going to buy the stock and it's and and yeah it's people like that doesn't happen no one manipulates stock and like that's the stock market the stock market's constantly being manipulated um but uh he bruce kind of saw that and then when we left and he was like well well we'll think about terrace but like you know we think it's a few years away and i was like i think a few years away it's going to be there's not going to be anything so uh we i left when i left that meeting in vancouver with Brown's Restaurant Group, I came home, told Sierra, we're moving. She asked where we're moving. I said, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna get our house, I mean, we're gonna paint the house this spring uh, and we're selling it. And I, I, I'll figure out where we're gonna go. Um, and at that time, I listed the business. The biz, Don Diego sold really quickly. I thought we were gonna have to wait a year. It only took a few months. Uh, we, had, we were able to uh, find a seller for that. So, and then that this process, so I kept talking to Bruce. I'm like, is there anyone that wants owner operator? Is there anyone that wants, here's my proven leadership. I like the, I have the vote from the, it's like the, here's like, here's a couple of mayors with a couple of reference letters for you. Like the, tell me someone, someone's out there is like wanting some, an investor um, that will operate the restaurant for them. So that, there was a couple of opportunities. We narrowed down the one opportunity in Kelowna. Um, you know, I had a great relationship and, and uh, with Derek right away. Like we just like started talking and just like talked for hours and we drove around, we checked out some of his other restaurants in North Van. Um, and then at that time, I think, and then we, we drove to Kelowna, or no, we flew in Kelowna and then me and Sierra checked out Kelowna with Jeremy. And um, uh, we, I just thought, I don't think I can move from Terrace to here. I just don't think. It's a busy city, man. It's busy. And it, it, it at that time, it just no, wouldn't be, a good fit for us uh, with Stella starting school and the uncertainty of like building a restaurant was so much like competition that was a, very similar so we thought about it and I just went you know I was like Bruce I and Derek I just this opportunity I just maybe it's not for us it, it, it and it also felt like it was going to be uh, you know a few years away and it, which it was because it's just that's how way restaurants sometimes are uh, it takes a while to get things done um, and then through that process, I was actually able to connect with uh, Kelly Burns on LinkedIn. Uh, he owned the Vernon location here. Um, and the, we just started talking and then we talked on the phone and on email. And then that whole process, um, you know, it, it, that took some time as well. It wasn't, you know, I just didn't like write a check and then there the restaurant was mine. There had to be some approval from head office, uh, at the, you know, Bruce said no a couple times. Uh, he was really uncertain with me and like the and, but it took you know a couple trips to Vancouver and I think like really like some good one on ones I think and just kind of saw you know, I'm a passionate guy you know I'm gonna be, um, you know I'm gonna be there in the restaurant uh, taking ownership within the four walls uh, and I think they really like that and I think that's what Vernon the location here needed, um, so we were able to move forward and then. Uh, you know, July 15, 2015, here we are. It's July 6th. I'm standing in Browns. It's 10 a.m. I'm thinking, oh, man, what do we do? <laughs> uh, that was a big undertaking, man. Yeah, the, and, and the in all fairness, too, like, the, it's, just, it's just one of those things sometimes, like, a business isn't given a fair start, right? Um, and, uh, like, when I took over the Mr. Mike's and Terrace, it was, it, it, there were some big issues. Uh, and there are some big negative 
connotations with that restaurant too and when it came to service and food and quality and consistency and I was able to turn that around and I knew I could do it here in Vernon but it was pretty overwhelming within like the first week as um, again to go back about passionate being passionate having a lot of uh, I jump in feet first a lot <laughs> unfortunately uh, sometimes my wife likes that sometimes it's not sometimes the best uh, and but you learn from those things and you make mistakes and when you're sometimes when you think through your heart and say brain um, and I definitely you know it was one of those things where I was just like didn't ask a lot of like super hard questions when we purchased this business um, but again it's been super rewarding up to this point um, the, the see the changes that we've done that uh, I think that we've, we're really going in the right direction uh, rebranding a restaurant after it's been open for two years and trying to fix somebody's uh, undoings um, is a challenge but it's also a challenge that I kind of like and I accept and I, I like I kind of like that role a little bit just like oh yeah Jaren I don't know if you're going to do it like like there was a lot of people had office just like you could tell under their breath like shaking my hand well good luck but under their breath you could tell this isn't going to work well that was a struggling restaurant because uh, for those listeners that don't know I actually worked for Browns uh, before Jaren actually took over this was a few months before I had moved on to Earl's and I was studying and me and you met back in 2015 you came with Jeremy to to you know you guys sat at the bar and then you guys had a meal and I was you were like oh I'm the new the new Browns owner and I was like oh I worked there you know not all that long ago and you were like how did you work there for so long like there was so much stuff going on that was just not the way a business should be run. I mean, there was, it was an interesting culture and, and it wasn't even what I was used to. I used to cook at Earl's for a corporate Earl's back in the city and that was just such a vastly different experience going from cooking at a corporate Earl's in Vancouver, like down in Yale Town, one of the busier locations, to Browns and Vernon that, you know, the sales are not the same, the, the product is not the same and the leadership is not the same. It was totally different. So you had, you had a, big undertaking and you probably knew that pretty quick yeah like I said uh, 10 a.m. Uh, July 6th and I'm like looking around and I'm just like I'm looking at the restaurant I'm talking to people um, you know I'm you know this guy Shane is basically the one handing the keys off to me he, he, he was there for five days with me and I remember his last day and he was like you got a lot of work here I was like yeah I can tell it, it was really toxic the culture was toxic made the business toxic, it made the guest experience toxic. Um, and guest experience is really important to me and like the, it's been instilled for me from, from day one. Uh, when I got my first job busing at Yaletown Brew Pub and then we had uh, the general man, it was Yale, called Yaletown Brew Pub and the general manager was called the mayor. Um, was that down on Mainland Street right across from where Earl's is now? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's where I got my start working in the front of the house. Like I, gotcha. my friend Joel got me the job there, and he, I remember the interview, and he was like, "Well, you're a kitchen guy." He's like, "We're gonna put you in the kitchen." I was like, "I don't want to work in the kitchen." He's like, "Well, prove me wrong." He's like, "Can you? I work one shift free." And he's like, "Yeah," and <laughs> uh, and then like the and then so I worked through lunch, and he's like, "Okay," he's like, uh, "He's like, I'll pay you dinner. I just wanted we'll to see a few more things." And he gave me this like golf stick, and I was like, "What's it? Like a broken golf club?" And I was like, "What's this for?" He's like, "All the bricks out front. They go to all the cigarette butts and all the gum." And I was like, "What?" pardon and then that was the kind of and that was and I was like uh okay but I did it and he's like well most people probably just quit after I did that and I was like well I don't want to quit I want to work here and he's like okay you can like you're hired and we'll get your training and yada yada but he was also 
the one of the hardest working like hardest working uh, guys that I seen like working in the front of house talking to guests and could make sure that understanding that that people wanted to see the mayor right they wanted to have an experience have him talk to your table and just like oh man when he left they're like I can't believe the mayor came by and bought us a round of beers <laughs> or like I can't believe yeah. like that he came by and said how our dinner was and stuff like he was like you know almost as big as the restaurant itself at that time but uh, he was also like a hard ass uh, and the and people didn't want, want to work um, with him like beside him then you didn't work there or you're bottom of the schedule or so you had to learn how to work with them yeah. as best you could but alongside of him right and he was one of the first guys that's just like yeah well, no, we're gonna clean the windows today or we're gonna do this today and like the but he's like oh and he's got an apron on and he's out cleaning stuff and he's out you know oh no you're doing this wrong and just like this is how you you know you're gonna clean all the bricks and just like uh and uh i always thought that was our art just like oh hey jaren like that and, it, and it's just funny because like then everyone around him was just like hey you need to change the lights outside uh, marty it's like pouring rain outside and it's like the and it's like lightning out and he's like yeah no i asked you to change the light i didn't want a weather report like that was the oh, wow right right but then when you got back in he was like yeah i'm gonna buy a dinner thanks for doing that But again, just like understanding that how important in the industry is, how culture is, uh, man, you can just like, I can go into a restaurant and I'm not saying I'm a restaurant whisperer, not at all, but I can go in a restaurant. I can tell usually if the owner's there, I can, uh, I can tell who's the, who's leading the restaurant or who's just kind of dead weight. Right. And, uh, and it's funny. You can see and just like the. And how everyone reacts and how the staff reacts to the staff and yeah it's it's interesting sierra hates going out there with me because i'll just like i look at these things dissect like, everything i'm like oh i like this color here it's like oh man what kind of bowl is this and uh, <laughs> <laughs> right or i'll like uh you know i'll ask questions too i'm just like oh is the owner ever here or like when the servers that come by oh no the owner's never here oh no, that's why our meal took 45 minutes with two people in the restaurant um you know, and it's just like these little things, but it, it drives my wife nuts. But it's it, it's why you're so good at what you do. Yeah. I mean, why you just said that you can go in there and you can dissect, you can pick away the little pieces. It's because it's it's kind of ingrained in you, and that's it's not something you can turn off when you go eat out. It's just who you are. Yeah, I think I credit like the because everyone's like, oh man, when they come to my house, like holy cow, Jaren, you're a really good host. And I was like, well, I'm like. Like, 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 I think about later. I'm just like, well, I guess I was cause kind of working at my house. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's how I like. I I kind of like always run like the even when I was like a server, like the I was like, okay, this is my section. I got my five tables here, and this is my own. Little, this is Jaren's little business, and this is how I'm gonna run it. And this is how I talk to my guests, and this is how the guests are gonna leave. And like the, I made sure that like the I talked to everyone before I left or whoever was paying. They made sure that I really appreciated what coming in and and um and i still run that's how i run browns and that's how i run all my restaurants but it's the it, it uh, it's funny how these like little things and little experiences in life can really stick with you so what what were a couple things that you had to do right away when you got there you've clearly you've you've gone in you've assessed that there's a bit of a, a culture problem um, obviously a sales problem at that point. Um, what, yeah, what, so what, what are a couple of, you know, and, and yeah, cause I, I worked in that restaurant like not long before you were there and like they were 
struggling. Like it was, it was like, you're barely, you know, probably not even keeping your head above water. And obviously I was not on the books at that time. I never got to see the books, but you can tell, you can absolutely tell when things are not going that well. And just the culture that kind of runs downhill from that point. So what are a couple things that you implemented right away? Uh, I think, and well, man, like the first day is so vivid in my mind there. Cause that was like, Shane was gone. He was the guy kind of like, okay, here's the keys to the car. Good luck. Just make sure you just keep stepping on the gas. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and uh, it, uh, I think that the first thing was like fixing the staff culture and just like making sure we, we had lots of like lots of pre-shifts talking about this is how I run my business. Not all of you are gonna like it, and uh, and uh, and sometimes being brutally honest too and just like there's nothing personal here. There's a few people here that are not gonna work out, uh, and we're not gonna work well together, um, and. And we, there were some tough decisions and there's some things that ha- had to happen and, and we, I made those improvements, you know, but that being said too, there are some people there that just really embrace like, holy cow, there's someone here that cares. There's someone here that just like showing up here and just like the, and, and our schedule's done two weeks in advance and like the, everything's done in an orderly fashion. He's talking to tables. He's helped me take orders on, you know, I, I you know some people started right away noticing just like, holy cow, we're making a lot more, more money like the you know the servers probably know servers right yeah it's the, the the front house staff like we're making a lot more tips here and just like the it's because of jaren and like i you know but i'm just doing little things i'm just doing the things that i i know that the wolf thing you know uh talking to guests making sure taking care of stuff just like oh man I, this is the third time you've been in here shelby this week i'm gonna buy you some dessert right and, you know totally. I, um you know i'm really sorry we didn't do a very good job today we're gonna take care of your bill what? Yeah, I'm just gonna take care of your bill. Don't worry about it. We'll be okay. Yeah. Um. And and I think and then the staff really embraced that. Uh, again, there are some that didn't, and you know they didn't work last there very long. But the the staff that did, I think that um, you know I, I find that I'm a pretty easy person to work with. Um, as an employer, I'm not gonna be pushing you. <laughs> if you need to be pushed, then and you can't work beside me, then maybe we're in. Like I don't, I'm not pulling anyone here, um, and and I don't want to push you either, right? Uh, the only thing I'll push you is out the door. Um, we need to work together as a team, and I think that uh, that little bit of the, that culture change was like instantaneous uh, in the front of house, back house. That was that's a whole another. That might not have to be a whole other podcast, but um, <laughs> the, the, that they we had our own issues with that, and we fixed that and made sure that more consistent and stuff. But it, it, it's just about, and it's just like little things, because everyone, like, I think people do ask me a lot of questions sometimes, and just like, and they're waiting for this, like, I don't know, crazy, like, I got all the answers. I don't have the answers. I learn, I'm learning stuff all the time. And, 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 uh, and I don't think if you're not learning all the time, then that's a big problem, too. I think a lot of people in this, especially in this industry, like, I, you know, I never go around and be like, I'm the owner. You'll never hear me say that unless there's like something escalates or someone does need to talk to the owner. I'm there. Unfortunately, on my business cards, it's part of my franchise agreement. It has to say owner operator on there. Uh, the front door says owner. Um, uh, and someone's like, oh, are you the manager? I never correct them. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I'm the manager. And what can I do for you? Um, Not like, oh, I'm the manager and the owner, just so you're aware. Right. <laughs> and I think and this industry, too, is bad for like the people. It's just like. Well, I've been in the industry 25 years. I have all the answers. I only work 10 hours a week. My restaurant, it runs itself. Well, I can tell you right now, it's probably running itself into the ground. Um, 
unless you have someone there has some sort of stake or ownership or you know what I mean or shares in the business. I can tell you right now, the only <laughs> direction that place is going is down. I, I, I just, there's, yeah, it's very rare that you're going to see a business, uh, especially something that is hands-on as customer service or where you're trying to create a guest experience if the owner's not there or there's some sort of involvement by someone who has some tiny little piece of ownership. So. Well, and that was the case when I was working at Earl's in Town as well. It was the same thing because it was a corporate-owned store. So while we had a lot of very, very competent managers and the general manager was a very competent man, um, we still had people from corporate coming in every two, three, four days and they would like pretty much watch us like hawks for a dinner service or a lunch service or something like that. They were still making sure that everything was running according to that uh, that standard. And of course, when they saw things, you know, they would either chew you out or they would know. But it was like that sixth sense that you were saying, that restaurant sense where you can go in and you can kind of like understand exactly what's going on. It's like a cultural thing. There's like a feel in the air almost. Yeah. And that's probably what that same principle that they were operating on, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. And I think... Um, uh, I think that this rest, the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry, period, like anything in hospitality, uh, I think there's such an intangible like skill set that I don't think people get, um, and it's it's you know someone's not going to be able to read, read like read a book and get that. It, it has to be there's some intuition there that has to happen, especially when you're dealing with culture and and building up understanding that like the even if you're just you know you're running a Don Diego's or if you're running a a coffee shop or like a sandwich shop or like catering business you're you know you there has to be some realization that you're a brand right uh, you're a realtor you're a brand you gotta build your brand you gotta represent your brand you gotta represent your brand within your four walls you gotta represent your brand when you're showing a house you gotta represent your brand when you're doing an event um, and uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think a lot of people get that no that's fair that's fair it's your reputation on the line yeah and you've had to really rebuild the reputation but also create your own because you don't want to just be known as the guy that like took a restaurant from nothing to something you want to be known more for what you build it into this is how browns is now and this is this is the reason why yeah absolutely and i think and just like building building loyalty like i think a lot of people don't understand what brand brand loyalty is so important right and i think in and uh, you know, but then you talk to some people, and they're just like, "Well, I just I own like a, you know, I own a convenience store. Me and I, there needs to be brand loyalty. Like, you need to know what your customer brand loyalty means a lot of things, right? Uh, it, it's not building, making commercials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's tiny little things about just like, wow, when I come in, Jaren knows my name, or Jaren knows what I'm gonna have to eat, or like the. You know, when the staff sits at the bar, all the bartenders are browns, we all, we get your name, we start your tab, can I get you anything else, can I get you, you know, um, and, and we use your name as much as possible. Um, that's creating brand loyalty. And people are like, is it? Like, yeah, it is. Uh, you, you know I mean, you don't need to have your ad on a, a highway sign that's not building brand loyalty. You gotta build your brand loyalty within your four walls, or whatever, if you're selling an intangible project where it's customer service or anything, like that, there has to be consistency all the time, right? Um, you know, I instill that in the, you know, the front house leaders. Uh, I don't have managers. We don't. I don't use that word. Uh, I use that word when people want to address me, like, oh, I'm looking for the manager. Oh, that's me. 
we have front of house leadership and front of house leadership and they, they have certain things that they need to be checking off every day. And I follow up. I'll be honest. I'll be asked the staff, like, so how so-and-so this day? Or how is that? Or, like, how is working with so-and-so as the leader that day? Or, and, and getting feedback from the staff, constantly getting feedback. Because I want them to grow and feel confident in their job. Like, you know, nothing worse than me, like, handing keys to something and you're just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, I watch the place so I can have a day off. Um, you know, no one's going to work or no one's going to succeed that way. Like, you can't. Um... I think that uh, I mean this would be my third business where I've had to like turn it around. Um, uh, I don't think I would do it again. Uh, it, it you know you start having a business that's that's struggling and needs to change or changing everything. It's a lot of work, right? Um, and it's a lot of money and time. Like there are some people in town here that were not treated very well by Brown Socials, um, and there are some people that were. Um, there were some people, like groups, I think that were, there was definitely some isolation. Uh, and these are all things that we, that we had to correct. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and, could, and I'll be honest, I couldn't fix all of them. Because like, and the, we, I went to a lot of people's houses with gift cards. Uh, I went to a lot of really? businesses with gift cards. I bought, uh, I bought lunch for 10 big companies that stopped coming for lunch because everything was taking too long or they had a bad experience or guy gets experience, bad food experience, bad takeout experience. Um, <laughs> during the building of Browns, there was Brown Social House here in Fernan. There was some issues. Things happen. Um, and, uh, but when people have like, you know, when they're hunting down for their paycheck or like you have builders or subcontractors that are looking for money the, for an extended period of time and like they're not going to come and they're not coming back. They're not coming to your place for dinner. Are there are and they're not saying good things. Well, there's a larger issue there too because you're not only representing your own franchise, but you're representing the name of the franchise as well. Yeah. And so if you're breaking down relationships just within Browns and Vernon, that's going to affect that their entire view of Browns in general. Correct. So it's also extremely important for you to represent the brand. That's you know it's bigger than yourself, but it does start within those four walls. It's starting you know, with the culture first, correct? Yeah. And just being honest about like mistakes, right? And just like, where's your level of give a shitness, right? And the, and, and just being only like, and am I perfect? No, I've made, there's been a few mistakes I've made and I, and, and do I own them? 110%. And I think, uh, just to quickly touch on leadership too, like being, being able to be like, hey, I made a mistake and I'm going to fix this and, or, or like, you know, I appreciate your feedback on how I maybe handle that situation. I made a mistake, and and I'm sorry that it's going to make me better. And this is how we're going to fix it. But I always want to fix things. I never like shovel things under a rug, especially when it comes to staff or guests or issues. You know, and and uh, you know, we had we we had some headaches too sometimes, with like some of our takeouts, and especially the earlier, like with like the kitchen staff that we had in 2015. Um, exhausting. Uh, to say the least, but uh, did I have a stack of like twenty-five dollar gift cards in my pocket every day? Yeah. Did I hand them out? One hundred percent. I probably I, that's probably the most gift cards I've ever handed out in that six-month span from like July to July to January. I we like I was ordering them from head office like every other week. Wow. 
and just like hey listen sorry about like oh we used to come here and like this or like are listening to, and listening to people just like are going out or like that night when we were, like i didn't tell you right away that i was the new brown i asked you both i was oh what do you think about browns yeah oh, you did you quizzed you me were pretty time. uh you're pretty honest and we did that i did that to probably 20 other people because I needed to find I wanted to find out myself like what was the what was the root problem with this place this is a great brand they're successful everywhere what's going on here this isn't a Vernon thing this is a four walls thing and as soon as we fix that we, it, it, it everything cracks itself but yeah it's there was lots of headaches there what kind of uh, what kind of like screening process does the actual franchise go through like corporate because I mean they're to say the least extremely fortunate to have somebody like you within their four walls of that location but with a franchise that has multiple locations it has to trickle down from the top to be able to have that consistency across all locations right yeah i will i can't speak as a whole like like they, they, they don't share a lot brown's restaurant group that's their own entity the the franchisees they all work independently right because you're paying that's what you're paying to do <laughs> um I can only speak from my experience when they, like the, there is a selection process. Um, you cannot walk in there with like five million dollars and I'm like I want to open up two Browns. Uh, that's not how Browns Restaurant Group works. Uh, Scott Morrison uh, Awards franchise, which is a huge difference between selling them. You hear a lot of like the like competitors or people that are on the market and stuff, and just like oh what do you do? Oh we sell restaurants. Oh we do. Sounds like an awesome dream. <laughs> um, that, but that when you meet the people, like I have a conference in February, like the people that work at head office, and I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I haven't worked a big like a like in a big office kind of like scenario. But you meet the people that work in the in the offices at, at Brown's Restaurant Group. These are probably some of the industry leaders that are driving Brown to be so successful. They're the information that you get from like even like a one day meeting that I go to in the in the fall and stuff I'm just like I always walk away from there and I'm thinking these guys like they they know what they're doing right there's a process here they understand what the process of success is um has everything that Brown's Restaurant Group done successful no but they've you know what I mean adjusted their mistakes they've moved on you know and they're developing new brands uh, as we speak um and it's like pretty exciting time to be part of that um uh, and, but as for me the selection process that i know it's 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 pretty intense for me it was a couple no's like i it wasn't yes it was all like oh yeah here you go here's the keys uh it didn't work that way um there had to be they want a belief process right and especially this location it needed to be turned around there had to be someone that was going to be uh focused and driven to like this is what needs to happen and we, and you got to fix it right um, did I understand the magnitude of what I was getting to? Uh, I mean, honestly, no. Uh, it, again, here it goes back to Jaron thinks with his heart, not with his brain. So feet first, here we are, and you know, and it was there was lots of things that needed to be corrected, uh, and it was uh, the like first first year and a half, there was a lot of work there. So. so when you know now that you've got the culture changed or you're gradually changing it, you've. Um, created new systems for these new employees uh trying to build loyalty not only for the business but also just with your your own employee base um obviously you had to let a few people go but that also requires you to hire on new people so what is your process for hiring people on 
what do you look for in a new candidate? I think this will be really applicable to a lot of listeners. Um, you, I think the days are gone where you just hand in a resume and hope for the best. So what do you look for both in the interview process but with the per- type of person that you're looking for? So I, we can train anybody. Like the, there's a process um, as a French, uh, Zora with our training programs and, and, and there's a process of training. Um, I really like, I'm big on personality and uh, I've been successful on based on my personality and the people that I want, I want people part of my team. Like I can hire workers. Like I can hire someone to, you know, to take someone to the table. I can hire someone to carry a tray um, uh, to, a, uh, to a guest or a tray of drinks to a guest. But can you pay, um, can you train personality? Now that's it, that, and those are some of like the intangible things because like when I go, I go for dinner, I can tell whoever's doing hiring is hiring because someone like had lots of experience or they could hold a tray or you know there was no like hey are you good at talking to people right. uh, can you have a natural conversation with somebody right uh, can you look at me in the eye and have a, a have a two minute conversation about yourself without any interruption those are big things for me when you come and drop a resume off your eyes down nose in your phone I can tell you right now you're not getting an interview for me um, the uh, your the body language like there's so much in body language uh, that I, I look at during the interview process like is this person engaged is this person like when I ask them what they like or what they like to do are they actually passionate about that or is this something they're just spitting out right um, and you know I've done I've done job fairs where we've done we've interviewed like in three days uh, like opening up new restaurants like 500 people so the having that experience and just be able to like sit and like kind of gauge somebody within like two or like you got to sell yourself in five minutes with me and uh and my thought process is that you're never going to grow on me <laughs> and i know that like, some people are like well that's kind of like that's a dick thing to say and it it, it might as well be but i know that me and you aren't going to work see eye to eye right fair i i can't i'm not going to be able to teach you you personality I, I am not going to be able to train you on how to talk to a guest. I am not going to be able to you know, train you to have confidence in yourself. Right? Uh, you, you're going to be working two to four days. I, I'm not going to be your life coach in your five-hour serving shift. You're looking for people who are looking to invest in themselves first. Yeah, right. And then and it always pays off, right? And like the and again, because like I think. You know, we've touched on this before, Shelby. Where you like, I'm not looking for the loudest guy in the room, right? Um, and you know, I I think a lot of people have this like con- misconception about me that just like you know, I'm kind of a loud guy. I do have an obnoxious laugh. Uh, it's pretty loud. Um, <laughs> and, um, but they have this like that. That's how I am all the time. Uh, and it's not right. Like like a lot of time too. I like to, you know, I mean, I'm like kind of reserved and like I like the. And I do like relax, and when I have my time, I like have my time with with Stella and Sierra, and that those are, um, th- th- that's how I get how I relax. I don't golf. I don't, you know, I don't do those, you know, things that you would think that I would be, I would do, or hang with the guys or play hockey or anything. I, you know, it's uh, my my spare time. A lot of it's spending time with the family, um, and uh, and that's where I draw a lot of my energy from. And that's where I like to spend my time. 
but anyways to go back to like the interviewing and like training and like the it's man it's just personality and like the and I know sometimes everyone thinks that like millennials they get such a bad rap and I know I'm probably I'm sitting in a room with millennials um and <laughs> um and I think I think the people there are like oh shucks those those millennials they sure don't know how to work no that's not true they know how to work but you're not training them you're not motivating them properly what motivated you right whatever generation i am i don't even know see it reminds me all the time because i'm old how, how old are you 41 41 you're just at the cusp of when because you know, you're not a millennial i think millennial is now 39 what I, no yeah 38 yep. to 39 is yeah. when that cusp is most people don't is know that, that. Because, is that what they just because that lazy people no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> i was always i thought it was like generation x or something and then anyways the but it goes back to like the um there's actually nothing wrong with millennials the problem is with you and how you are training them and how you motivation you got to find other people's how how they're motivated um, I think a lot of people are shocked to hear that people aren't motivated by money anymore. There's a lot, of, there's a huge growing population that like what I just talked about with my family, that's, that's their motivation. Right? Totally. And having that, having a certain type of lifestyle and having a certain type of, um, you know, I, I, you know, I like to golf. I need to have these, you know, we have a guy at work that's like, you know, I want these days off. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't asked for a raise cause he doesn't want one cause he just wants, he's, I just want those days off in the summertime. I don't want to work. Don't call me. Totally. Don't schedule me. Uh, you sit down with them. He's like, okay, we're going to give you, he's like, I don't want a raise. Just, I don't want to work those days. Fair. And I'm okay with that. And he's okay with that. And we have a good relationship that way. Um, the, I, I think when you hear people complaining about like the workforce or complaining about staff or, you know, I think, I think that's some, they need to take a long look in the mirror and go, maybe I'm not approaching this the right way. Right. Uh, I never grew up with a smartphone, um, you know, and everything, everything's at your fingers now. It's like, Oh, I'm going to buy some, a sweater. Oh, it's here the next day. Oh, I can get the Amazon prime and it's here the next day. Exactly. Uh, I can, you know, and, and in 10, in five years, it, it might be half an hour and being airdropped in your house. Who knows? I don't know what the future's gonna bring. Totally. Right? Uh, I, I think that's where we're headed. And, and I think that uh, and everything's just like, right now, right now, infant gratification. And uh, is there some downsides to that kind of mentality? 100%. Like I, I there's, you know, think that people uh, younger people think that wealth is is it's gonna happen overnight, right? Well, I worked at it for two years, and man, sure didn't uh, and sure didn't work out. And I I think and I think I look at these people and it's like, you two years like that's that's nothing, right? Like I, you, you need to do some research. <laughs> There's like a lot of successful people that did things for ten years and were not successful. Overnight success is almost a myth. Like it's very, very uncommon. Like yeah. to the point of not even giving it consideration. People, it's like winning the lottery, man. Don't don't bank on that. I I I hear a lot of like the I know the Midas touch like theology of like the young people is it's it's but it comes from social media. It comes from like the what they see, right? They don't understand what the background story is, yeah. right? You know, they they have you know just people sitting there with like stacks of money pretending they're calling somebody. 
And it's like, you don't know what that person went to to, you know, to, to get that money. Or even if they do have that money or if they or just took out months. every dollar in their bank account yeah, exactly. and then slapped a hundred dollar bill over top of the all one dollar bills. You don't, you don't know the truth. It's a, it's a big thing. And I, I think going back, you're, you're so right. People really put down millennials and they're trying to label millennials as the lazy generation, the weak generation or whatever it is. The bottom line is there's lazy people in every generation. You ask all of our parents, our grandparents, yep. did you grow up with lazy people? Absolutely they did. Well, there's bad eggs and everything, just like there's good teachers, bad teachers, good police officers, bad police officers, you know? Oh yeah, it's just like where the motivations come from and that's kind of interesting too because like like you said, are we gonna have things airdropped in, in the next two hours? that could happen and it's going to be interesting to see like how the generations get shaped from things like that or whether the generations actually shape those products you know what i mean because it's kind of like an inverse relationship one has to feed the other mm-hmm. yeah like the and how like i i know just in the lot like um being at browns uh in the last like two years i've definitely had it there's been a switch like a mind switch for me like how i treat people like the how i treat people um and how they want to be trained and how they want to be motivated and uh you know sitting down like when i remember when i first started like serving our wine like that we'd have to go through these wine seminars maybe hours long and i would think and then at the end they'd be like well you have to get 75 percent to become a bartender here and i'm like i don't remember anything you just talked about um and um and i learned a different way and everyone learns differently uh, and i think that it's just you got to find you gotta find what's gonna motivate your workforce. You gotta find what's gonna motivate your staff. What's gonna what 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 motivates them? And and everyone's just like, well, I what what book did you read to find that out? I never read a book. I asked them. Right? Yeah. There's a I sit down with my staff all the time, um, and and I'll be honest. There's some people didn't like it, and those people like I, you know, I had one person just like, no, I don't like all these conversations. So it's like, that's unfortunate. Like, I can't work here. I'm like, okay. And, and I respect that. Um, but these are my expectations, and this is how I'm going to approach things. And then what we're going to talk about, and like, when you come to work, I ask you, what, you know, what's our draft? What do we have with ball brands? What's, name me two reds, not the house. I don't, you should know the house. I want to know, do you know the reds? Do you know the whites? Do you know this? Tell me the steps of service. How long should you be here at, at your table? Um, uh, we do a lot of, uh, and I do a lot of like, you know, role playing. Um, and again, some staff don't like that, but some staff, they just love it. What are we doing today? What are we learning today? Oh, you're going to teach me how to do this behind the bar or how, you know, like the, uh, I was taught this like sales tip. Uh, we, uh, more James group, they would always send management. That was who owned Yaletown. And I worked there for years and worked up management and did different things there and bartended lots and served. And, and um, and, and one of these like, uh, uh, things that we went to and and uh, it was a seminar and and I was like man this is like when we got that we got a book beforehand I was like this is really hokey stuff like it, was, it talked about like the psychology of sales but like what you can do at the table or what you can do at the bar and there's like one thing that always kind of got to me and I, I thought and I always use, I've used it to this day and I, I teach all my staff and and when someone's ordering another drink nod when you're nodding and agreeing with somebody in sales they agree with you and i learned that and i i did that a lot too when i was doing outside when i was doing sales working uh, at the brokerage firm selling food and right before they were going to do like a i would just like agree with what they disagreed with 
but then when they were like humming and hawing I would just like start nodding at them and they would nod back at me Interesting. yeah I'll think about it so when someone's like oh, would you like another kind of grab another glass of wine at dinner and there's like kind of like that pause but while you're ordering it not look them in the eye nod they'll always get another glass of wine it's weird like 99% there's that 1% it's like oh I gotta drive and hopefully they're responsible in that way but the if you or kind of we've got homemade desserts usually kind of grab you like a, one of our chef's brownies or or one of our key lime pies but nodding while you're doing it it always results in a sale and the staff are just like or I ask for gravy and then like the first time they do it they're just like it worked and then they continue to do it and like that was a big thing at at Brown's because um, we had to increase our average check right we weren't getting a lot of people in the door and I was having all these little seminars and like, these are the little things that you can do. And you're like, oh, what's like a dollar gonna make? Well, this is only like $2. But I'm like, well, you times this by any guess, to this, and then like the, but then the final equation for any front of house person is like, well, if you take this and you increase your sales and this is your sales amount, and you times it by whatever, let's say an average of 18% over the year, this is your increase in tips. And it's an instant buy-in. It's yeah. instant buy-in for them. and. Um, and, and that's just about making sure that the, there's too many people, way too many people that think that being a boss is like, is just like pointing fingers and you're standing on top of a pedestal and you're looking down at people. You have to be working with these people and you have to be a coach. No one wants to be boss by a boss anymore. It's 2018. If you label yourself as, if someone calls you the boss, like that, that to me, that's a four letter word. No one at, at, uh. Even if they're joking, no one knows not to call me that because I don't like being called that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm there with my staff. I'm washing dishes. I'm cleaning tables. I'm wiping down things. I'm talking to guests. Um, I'm running drinks. Um, I, I'm no better than the dishwasher. I'm no better than the hostess. I'm no better than the host, bartender. Uh, and, and those are kind of realizations like that millennials, I think, and people are like, oh, man, what motivates them? I can tell you that that's a big motivator for them, right? seeing your boss do all the same things right leading by example exactly because I think and I don't know I don't know where like the disconnect I think the disconnect I I have a theory here's my theory on like millennials um, and uh, and it comes to staff I think and I'm sorry moms out there and my mom for saying this I think that moms baby their kids too much and it's a small theory of mine uh, usually I prove it correct when I when I hire somebody and I'm just like do you do chores at home right <laughs> uh, no right like I've, I've met people that are like 18 19 years old don't know how to use a washing machine right um, don't make their own bed uh, and and I think there's just like this weird like I don't know what it was what happened 20 years ago or 15 years ago where parents and I, it's not all moms there's dads out there too and they, this the term the helicopter mom or the you know the having this like weird relationship with your kid that you just want this kid to be a baby at, even at 12 years old oh I got a baby he's my baby or hers she's my baby 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 um, those are terms I never heard growing up right it's just like okay mom I'll see you later okay be safe and I'm back at dinner time or the, I came back when the street lights were on or and I know I, I even at the age of forty one I grew up in a different world, but I think that, that it's I don't want to say bad parenting because I'm, I'm gonna get people mad at me. But there's just people that I think need to realize that it's okay to let your kid make mistakes. It's okay for your kid to fall down. It's okay for 
you know, uh, you know, to to do wrong things or like to put um, <laughs> to put bleach in the washing machine, like the, let your kids make these mistakes. Uh, it, they're going to be better for it. Um, some of the biggest some of the biggest um, learning uh, things where I've like, wow, I can't believe I learned that from that mistake. Those just do they come from mistakes? Like that you just learn that way. Uh, and I just don't think parents do that enough these days. That's my five cents of that. I, I honestly like I couldn't agree more with you and I actually like I've got a secondary theory to build on that just because I love this topic is I think it's actually parents are wrapping their own self-esteem up in their child which is why they don't want to see their child fail so you see parents that you know make their kids get into sports and now we're starting to give out participation trophies I mean when I was four I remember how ticked off I was when we won and we got a participation everybody got the same participation trophy but honestly it really comes down to the fact that parents want their kids to go to that university parents want their kids to uh, go to that school to get good grades because they want the leverage to be able to go to their other friends or whatever these parents want the leverage so that they can go and say oh my kid does this my kid does that so that they can go to their brothers and sisters my kids are better than yours it's become a total debacle where parents are just wrapping their own self-esteem up in their child and it's really hurting the children and as you can see labeling our generations poorly it's very fair very fair yeah it's kind of the the reality as generations change like and and that's the funny thing is like people that are younger are going to notice it and it's it seems like it's the older people from the next generation up that are actually willing to listen to that where we're actually going to start being able to work together because it's not just you know older generations and that's the thing like the majority of owners or managers are generally going to be older than the people below them that's kind of just the way the world works you work your way up and then as you're older you get into these more managerial positions Um, but it's not only that like you know I struggled to figure out what motivated my bosses because I wasn't motivated by the same thing. So it sort of goes both ways, right? And I'm sure they're trying to figure out what motivates you and you guys have to come together at the same on the same token, correct? Correct. But I think that's the, making sure you're just having lots of open dialogue. Like the, you know, we're, I'm constantly just like, hey, while you're doing your cash flow, we're gonna have this like five minute conversation. Um, and, you know, and then generally also like being involved in your like, in your teams, like what's going on in their life. Like how are things and they're like, you know, uh, I, again, like I don't get too personal with my with the staff, um, but I, even generally, I want to know what's kind of going on, making sure that they're living like a healthy like lifestyle. Or you know, uh, there has been a few times in my where I've sat down with staff and just like, hey, I'm really worried where things are headed here. Uh, you know, I, I feel there's some red flags here, uh, and these are things I want to talk to you about because I think it's really going to affect your work. But I think it's really must be affecting your life. So, and we're here to talk and and. Uh, um, you know, sometimes those are good conversations. Sometimes they're not the best ones, but it's interesting. No, and that's honestly, it's, it's super huge. I mean, Shelby and I, we meet at Brown's all the time. I, I go there as well. And it, we're actually like seeing these things firsthand, everything that you're saying into practice, you're always there. Um, you're always talking to the staff and it really shows because honestly, those are the, those are the traits. Not only are you hiring on personality because skills can be trained you know you can train like you said you can train anybody to do anything but can you or do you even want to put the time in to train the personality 
to teach the personality but it, it honestly shows because you're you're putting the effort in to make sure that your staff is all looked after they feel valued uh, you're making sure that you're on top of what's important to them whether it's pay whether it's time off and it trickles all the way down to the customers and how they're treated but at the end of the day it always starts at the top and that's the biggest thing that I can applaud you for because it, it shows anytime you walk into Browns you feel it from the moment you take the first step in there it's true it's true last time I was there I think I was confirming us going for coffee because we always we like to do our research ahead of these podcast episodes it's a very important part of it we don't just go in blind so I you know hey Jaron we still on for such and such date and you're out cleaning the windows it's like I never had managers doing that ever like and that's that's leading by example and when me and David were in there last I'm pretty sure you had a meeting with all of your staff so you had probably 10 staff out and this was hell it must have been nine o'clock at night and it was like you don't see that very often and I certainly didn't see it in a lot of my my jobs in the hospitality industry but I think that just to quickly touch this one thing I wanted to touch on is that I think that when you're dealing like with this generation and, and not keep saying this generation this and it's it, it's every generation I think there's always going to be issues right uh, there's going to be what people perceive as being people being lazy but I just don't think that we're motivating them properly so there's like something that I that I instill into Jeremy a lot is like having it's aggressive patience aggressive and patience so you it, it's like I'm going to tolerate this kind of like this for a little bit but I, it, there has to be improvement right uh, and and that's always just make sure we're gauging everyone right like I'm just like hey right now you're about a 7 you need to be a 10 if you want more shifts right and these are the three things you need to do and I never give them more than three things because it's there's no point <laughs> Yeah. But and, but it's it's always and but these are also the three things that I think that you're doing a really good job with, right? Um, and I think that there's not enough praise to, uh, hey, you did a really good job today, or just like the or paying attention, like hey, I really liked how you talked to table twelve, right? You know, and then you can see it in their face, you're just like, oh, wow, I really worked hard on that table, and they, and Jared noticed like that you can see in there just like, oh, that's awesome, right? Um, and and that little that interaction took like thirty seconds. So in that 30 seconds, I just motivated somebody and that didn't take a lot of work. It didn't take like, I didn't have to sit down. We had to fill a bunch of forms out. We didn't give them a ribbon. Um, I didn't buy them a beer. It was just a 30 second quick interaction while I was making coffee and they were filling up water glasses. So it's the, because it, everyone always just wants a big answer for everything. And I think that uh, with this, um, the, just the way things are now, everything's instantaneous. Um, information is instantaneous um, and uh, gratification should be too right? and yeah. you just have to have and, and you have to understand that you just need to have like an aggressive patience you have to give people timelines and and and, the, and people want to work within timelines like you know what in two weeks this is going to change and we're going to sit down hopefully it does yeah and I, I think that's a really great point that you just put out is catching them doing something right basically too many too many bosses or whatever you want to call them owners they i feel that they're catching people doing things wrong and i think it's just as important to catch them doing something right because like you said that that little instant gratification that they're noticed it can can work wonders absolutely it can yeah yeah it helps our our confidence and because it it kind of spreads not just good work habits but but human dignity i mean there's there's so much psychology and i'm glad you touched on that there's so much psychology and all of these things and 
hospitality is is no stranger to those those psychological tricks right i mean everything it's all about people it's a people business and at first we're we're brains inside of skulls man like you have to be able to tap into psychology so okay. it's really interesting uh we gotta wrap things up pretty quick here okay. so um what we like to do at the end is we kind of like to frame a question for you um as if you're giving advice to somebody and i kind of i think i want to frame it as if you're you're speaking with someone that's 22 years old not a whole lot of experience and they maybe are thinking that they want to be a leader eventually they know they want to do good by someone maybe they've got a new girlfriend that they want to they want to build a life with and so what would you recommend to this person you know like how do they approach life what's what's the right and wrong ways to go about it just to give them a little bit of a leg up because there's so many people out there that just feel like they're they can't go to the next step and i think we need to mitigate that as as a team you know so what advice would you give them uh that's a pretty broad question (laughs) kind of like kind of like if you were the talking to the mini jaron you know if you were talking to yourself 20 25 years ago just a passion for the hospitality industry i think everything in life you need to number one thing i tell people uh is creating good habits um you know i um, and, and having habits create success. And I think that, you know, and writing, writing stuff down, I think people don't write enough anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I demand that, uh, you know, Jeremy, we sit down with Jeremy like once a week and I, I want to see, he has a book and there's gotta be stuff in there. Um, and there's gotta be some and personal things, right. And personal growth. And I don't think a lot of people like need to like track that. I think so many people are like, oh, and I got a successful life, and I'm gonna do this and that, and you know, I'm a doctor, a lawyer, an astronaut, and yeah, yeah. But like, no one's taking the steps on like, how am I gonna get there mentally? Um, how am I gonna get? What is my? Here's my end goal. That's great. Uh, there, there's a lot of more, I think, intangible things of getting to that end goal than people realize, uh, especially when you're younger. Um, it's just like, or it just seems like an impossible task. But nothing's really impossible. Right, like the, you know, like when we bought Browns, the banks told us no ten times. Most people would just be like, "That's it. I guess we're not buying a Browns. I'm like, we'll do something else." Um, and and you know, the big thing for me was this: my habit forming. Okay, well, this didn't work out, so I gotta do this. So that's that six a.m. conversation where I'm having with myself and talking to myself. I do talk to myself a lot, but um, the, uh. Uh, and the, and those conversations that I have either like verbally or written, um, I, I like just reaffirming on what, what I need to do to get this, like what, you know what I mean? I want to see this. I want to see like the, this improvement and these like 10 staff, how am I going to do that? How do I approach that? And that's, for me, it's a, it's writing down in a written by process. And, um, and I'm a strong believer if you're not writing stuff down and having time to yourself, you're not having this stuff nothing's it's not happening to me um you, you can talk all you want and be like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and blah 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 and like yeah yeah and you're like okay so everything has you have to have a plan and uh and, how, and what is your like life plan what does that look like well i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life well you should probably spend some time instead of sitting at the bar uh you know three beers in tell me how you're gonna open a restaurant or asking me how to open a restaurant because you you've missed a few steps um the and uh and and finding out what those steps are um and uh what you have to do um 
you know, businesses, there's obviously, it's like, well, I don't know about numbers or anything. It's just like, no one really knows about numbers. Um, you know, numbers are a small factor in things and like the, and it, it's about like your passion, what's going to drive you and having, again, what's the process of finding that, that drive. Cause like when you're an entrepreneur or you own your own business or you're a small business owner, uh, the wake up call is that like at 9am you have to make yourself go to work. You're the one driving you, right? Obviously, there's like external factors like, oh, I gotta pay rent, I got a car payment, or I got family, or like, yeah, that's one thing. But you gotta have that internal clock, that internal drive, that's gonna want to make you do that, right? And it kind of all goes back to like when I was younger and having that work ethic, just like, yeah, ten hour day for me, that's not bad. Or like something, you know, I'll see, I'll see a guest at lunch and they see me at dinner and they're like, what are you doing here? I don't like this is my shift. I'm near ten hours a day. What? Yeah, <laughs> that, that this is restaurant life, um, you know. And like the again in the beginning, I was there for long periods of time and wasn't able to take time off. But um, you know, I think that having a focus and having like and goals and like that and everyone because like the I always <laughs> January first just like everyone's Instagram. Oh, gonna set these goals and blah 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 and like, it, it, I, and I and I, I want to be like if you're setting those goals. On January 1st I hate to break it to you you're already too late totally you need to those goals need to happen six months ago uh, uh, you know the the earth spinning around 365 days a year should not be a time that you like oh, I'm gonna change my life right uh, that should have happened six months ago um, and the I think people uh, maybe un underestimate how like daily goals right I think that like you know like again there's a, this guy he's like yeah, I want to open a restaurant. And okay, what are you gonna do? What's the concept? I don't know. Got all this money. I'm gonna open a restaurant. Okay, so what's the planning process? I have no idea. Have you written anything down? No. Do you have a menu? Ah, uh, kinda. Uh, you know, I'm just like, you. There's so many things that you need to fill in here, like daily things that you should be doing and creating a daily checklist. And then like, is that daily checklist have to be like the like littlest things? Like one of them should be stop coming here and having beers in the afternoon. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of them should be you going to the gym three times a week. Uh, one of them should be like spending time reading, reading a book. It doesn't have to be a business book, but you should be reading at least a book. Like there should be, you should be constantly reading, um, and, and growing. Uh, and, um, the, I can tell you right now, people just have this like weird impression. They're just like, Oh, I got some money. I'm going to start a business. And the thought process is like the, you, you have to take care of yourself first. You have to like understand what your needs are as a human because <laughs> sometimes that can be overlooked because you're just like driven by like oh man gotta you know some of the like the I, I, I don't mind when I hear people like yeah man I'm really hustling and stuff I'm just like but are you but is there what's the end goal <laughs> what's your end process are you just a hamster spinning on a wheel just like look at me go just like wow this guy can really work yeah I'm working hard but what am I working for <laughs> what are you doing right where uh, you look next door and there's the hamster, he's on a wheel and it's spinning, but it's like, it's driving electricity or he's like got one running water, right? Um, and uh, the, and th those are like an understanding, like setting proper goals for yourself. I think it's, it's huge and it's just, and people don't do it enough. And it's just like, well, I'm gonna do this today and this and this and like, and, and checking those things off. Instead of having these like crazy, like, today is gonna be the first day in my new life and I'm gonna go to the gym and blah, blah, blah. And like, but, how are you gonna? What? How are you gonna change your life to make to reach those goals? So when people are just like, "Oh, I'm gonna get thinner," okay, well, how are you gonna do that? 
right there and and writing that process down because I think that and it, it, it gets skipped a lot with people but it's just like how am I going to get there I know what I want to do I want to be a homeowner I want to be a business owner I want to be this okay well it's a spider web of ideas and things that you need to do to get there um, and have you thought that out right great so planning your life that's the but not like to that, but yeah, but not like that, like, oh, I'm going to do this day and this day and this day. What's your five-year goal, right? And, but then like, oh, I'm going to do this. That's wonderful. Tell me how you're going to do it. Oh, I have no idea. I just have all this money. Oh, okay. Good luck. Well, it's, it's just the same as I'm sure you did when you got into Browns as you, you, like you said, you pick the end goal, you figure out where you want to be. And then you just, you either, there's two ways to do it. You either work backwards or you just start one little piece at a time. This is my end goal. What can I do today to get towards that? Make sure that you're doing at least one thing every day to work towards that end goal, even if it's a small thing. I think that's I think that's the biggest the biggest aspect. It's like you said, it's planning your life to a certain point, but it's just taking little steps every single day to get to where you want to be. Absolutely. And if you see, follow anyone who like who's successful, that's how they start, right? Like you don't like I've never I, I've met lots of millionaires, and it's just like oh you never I've never heard of anyone super successful an ongoing success as well. Like that's a process too, and that's that's a whole different thing. But the having that ability to be like not be like oh my end goal is just to be a millionaire, right? They never say that. No. No. Anyone who has initial success and then ongoing success you never hear him say that right there's it's, like some people that you i could introduce you to and you'd be like and i'm like oh yeah no his like net worth is like about 10 million like I, I would have no idea it's just because it just at that point it just starts to become a byproduct mm. like that's byproduct of habits exactly the byproduct of you know your success what you want to achieve the money just you know it it comes as a it comes as a byproduct of what you're working towards so jaren Tell us right now, uh, for us, myself and Shelby, and for the listeners, what can we do to help you? What can we do to provide value? And what's something that's either you're passionate about or something that we can do for you? I think, well, I didn't get a chance really to kind of touch on it, but what I'm really passionate about is being involved in the community. And I think that's a, a big part. I think that the turnaround at we saw at Browns, the turnaround at Don Diego's, the turnaround at Mr. Mike's was just like, well, this guy's the face and he's here and he's helping the community. And, and I get a lot of people and they come up to me and they, and um, you, you, it's gonna be hard for me, you to find a picture of me shaking people's hands constantly. Cause I just like, I don't, right? Uh, I, it, it, even doing things not for gratification is, 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 uh, is something that I've, I'm passionate about. Uh, you know, people come and spend money in my restaurant I feel me and my wife. I, I honestly feel like we're very lucky, um, and the and, and I like to share that. And I and that there's lots of people I think that are deserving this community. And I, I really like recognizing volunteers. I don't think people understand like what what volunteers can do for a community. Um, and I think in Vernon here, I think there's a great like the there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I think that this is, there's a great sense of community here, and I just want to contribute the most I can, and that's what I'm passionate about. And like, you know, and, and people are just like, man, you sure just involved in everything. Well, I, I I can't fix everything, and we you know I try to do as much as I can, um, and but my my passion I I I 
you know, gratification, you know, we've won an award from head office, up rounds, but some of my, my biggest, like, gratifications, just like, I, I can't believe what you did for this charity event, and I really appreciate it, or just like, you need to come and see the impact that what, what you did, what happened here. Um, those are the kind of things that put like a bigger smile on my face. Um, you can tell my wife like the, you know, I, you know, I, I, I love seeing obviously numbers, uh, increases. Those are, those are wonderful things. Um, you know, when someone randomly comes up to me and just like, Hey, I just want to let you know what the, you know, how you impacted us and how you helped us out with this event and, and how much that meant to us. And, you know, I'm just like, I, I, it's, it's uh, overwhelming sometimes, like the response from people. Um, but uh, I just love being part of the, being part of the community, uh, and be able to share um, some of the things. You know, if I can help, I love to. So. Well, thank you so much, Jaren. Like I have a huge amount of respect. I did from probably the, my first conversation with you. Um, the, just a huge amount of work that you had ahead of you showed a certain aspect of you that I think is is very admirable you were looking to make something better and I think we can all learn something from that so like thank you so much for taking time to to be on this podcast this podcast is first and foremost for the community to provide value to to people of this our, you know our small city but also to people in big cities I think that's the whole goal of this small town wealth podcast is figuring out how to bridge the gaps between small and big um, in terms of populations, people, businesses, everything. So thank you so much, um, mad props, and and we look forward to hopefully having on you having you on here again sometime soon. Definitely, awesome. okay. definitely. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. One more time, and one thing for your mom before we check out, and for everybody that told you no because you were a C student. A students work for C students. <laughs> awesome thanks man yeah thanks guys see ya